So that following year when I was asked to serve again, um, you know, I really did. And it, and it actually put me on a, on a path that has helped me build some leadership skills that I wouldn't have built had I not failed. If I had had some success in that first year, I wouldn't have pushed hard enough in my second year. And it would have, I would have thought that, um, that, that it was good enough what I had done the first year. What does mojo mean to you? Welcome to CEO Mojo, where we inspire business leaders to get motivated. In our weekly podcast, we talk about the ideas, stories, and lessons of these successful entrepreneurs and how they overcome the challenges that hold them back from getting in touch with their mojo so that you will get motivated. Our host is Joe Applebaum, CEO and co-founder of Ajax Union, a digital marketing agency based in Brooklyn. Joe is a certified Google trainer and was featured on Fox Business News, Bloomberg, and The Wall Street Journal. He's a published author, and his thought leadership appears regularly on Forbes, Business Insider, and Entrepreneur.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Apfelbaum. Hello, and welcome to another amazing episode of CEO Mojo. Today, I'd like to introduce my friend and fellow CEO, John Bly. John Bly is the founding member of LBA Haynes Strand and LBA Haynes Strand Capital Advisors. His entrepreneurial leadership has propelled the CPA firm's growth. LBA Haynes Strand ranks as one of Charlotte's Business Journal's top 25 CPA firms in Charlotte region, and he's listed on the Inc. 5000. John is the author of Cracking the Code, an Entrepreneur's Guide to Growing Your Business Through Mergers and Acquisitions for Pennies on the Dollar. John is a fellow member of EO, and he's an active member in EO Charlotte. I'm really excited to begin this interview with John Bly. Welcome to another amazing episode of CEO Mojo. John, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thanks, Joe. It's uh, fun to be here, and I'm looking forward to it. So as you might know, we speak to entrepreneurs about their beliefs, their failures, their work ethic, the focus and fears, relationships and purpose that they need to have in order to create amazing results in their life and in their business. I've interviewed many CEOs and we've learned some amazing things. And every CEO has their own unique journey. And I'm sure you've had many challenges along the way in order for you to be able to build your business north of seven figures and be part of this amazing organization that you're part of. Can you tell me about some beliefs that you maybe used to have that would limit you from success and you kind of like had to overcome those beliefs in order for you to be able to achieve this level of success? Yeah, I would say one of the things that early on, I just didn't set high enough goals. I really didn't believe that we could be this big. And so the, the limiting belief there was really around either A, my own ability, or B, it was around that running a much larger company was much more challenging and that I wouldn't have the skill set. And as I've come to grow through, we're now going to break through 10 million this year. As, as we've gone through that process, um, it's become really apparent to me that actually running a bigger company, at least so far in my experience, has been easier in that I'm allowed, I'm, I'm able to dedicate and delegate um, time to people to do the things that they're really good at and, and just do the few things I'm good at. That resonates with me a lot because I remember when I launched our company, Ajax Union, we were just picking up smaller accounts and charging very little. And the reason we were doing that is because we were like, eh, how can we possibly charge someone tens of thousands of dollars a month? And when we got our first client that was paying us $45,000 a month, we were like, okay. They're like, <laughs> okay. Like suddenly like, wow, this is, this is possible. We are enough. We are the most amazing company in the world. And fact that this company referred tons of business to us and 
everyone across everybody uh, recommended us there. It was just like so amazing, such great validation and us realizing, why didn't we do this since day one? Why didn't we go after these bigger companies? It's because we had that self-limiting belief that we had to work with smaller businesses and we couldn't work with the larger companies. So it's so important to, to see that you just, you have to challenge yourself. If you have that limit, how did you overcome that? Really, it was just continuous learning. I, I, I read a lot of books. I studied a lot. I listened to a lot of other entrepreneurs. And I realized that, look, if they can do it, so can I. Um, and so I just had to push through it. Some of it was hard work and perseverance. Some of it was, was fighting against my own disbeliefs of myself and, re and reading and studying a lot, of, a lot of leadership philosophy stuff. So I um, found that that stuff tended to resonate. As entrepreneurs continue to grow and continue to have success, sometimes they come across some catastrophic failures. And every entrepreneur that I speak to has some type of failure, whether it's in their personal life and their business life, something that sometimes stops them and makes them question whether or not they can move forward. Do you have any failures that you came across in your life that really stopped you, made you question everything, made you question yourself, and then somehow you figured out how to persevere and overcome? Yeah, actually, it, it was it was actually not in my business. It was in um, the entrepreneurs organization, which you know I'm super passionate about, and um, and it was a failure in leadership there on my own part. It was a failure in 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 doing a certain role. It was a membership role, uh, first year in my, in the organization for me, and I was helping the Charlotte chapter of that organization grow. And what I found was that I needed to push myself harder. I wasn't a, I was around the best of the best. This wasn't just, uh, you know, being around a regular nonprofit board. These people were leader amongst leaders. And so uh, I think I took it a little easy the first year on the board. Uh, and I just didn't, I didn't excel the way I needed to. And, and when I reflected on that one night, it occurred to me that like, look, if I'm going to be one of, if I'm going to be amongst my peers and amongst the best of the best, I, I have to push through this. I have to do better. And so that following year when I was asked to serve again, um, you know, I really did. And it, and it actually put me on a trajectory, both in my business, my personal life and my family and, um, and in the entrepreneurs organization on a path that has helped me build some leadership skills that I wouldn't have built had I not failed. If I had had some success in that first year, I wouldn't have pushed hard enough in my second year. And it would have, I would have thought that, um, that, that it was good enough what I had done the first year. I hear a lot about talented people that end up suffering more than people that are not so talented because when you're talented, you don't need to push so hard. So when times are good, you're like, oh, you know, you're, I'm just talented. And then when times are bad, you don't have that ethic, that work ethic to, to learn and to push. And you seem the types of person that has an amazing work ethic, your skills, you're talented, but it didn't, probably didn't just come easy for you. Tell me how you got this amazing, incredible work ethic that you have. You know, I think I think I'm one of those people who was who was blessed to be born with the right genes or something. I seem to have gotten the right genes from my parents. But my dad grew up on a farm, and somehow he instilled that upon me, not not in an intentional sort of way, but just through what he did every day. And um, and I was from the time I was 12 on, I have realized that you know. God or, or whoever you believe in has given me a gift to be here and I need to make sure that I deliver on it every day. And, and for me, the, the work ethic was just part of it. It was like, I've been given certain talents and I owe it to the people around me to let those things shine out every day. And whether that's with a smile on my face or whether that's working really hard or whether that's, um, you know, just sort of that drive. I, I felt like, you know, that, that maybe I was given some things that some others weren't and I shouldn't, I shouldn't let them down. It was my responsibility. What do you tell an entrepreneur or somebody that you're mentoring that 
you want to get to work as hard as you work and maybe you see that they're not pulling their weight. What do you say to them? Yeah, one of my favorite, it's not really a, a known saying, but one of the things I tell people all the time inside my firm and outside is that there's, there's three different types of people who I believe can be successful in life. One are people that are really smart. They, don't, they have been given a gift um, and, and they don't have to work it that hard to be successful. The other is the people that work really, really hard. I believe that anybody can get a 4.0 straight A's if you work really hard. You might have to work way harder than the person sitting next to you, but you can work really hard. The third category is the people that just wow, everybody that are around them. They're the people who are both really smart and will outwork you every single day. And those people, I've always said, the doors just blow off the hinges of opportunity for them. And you just have unlimited opportunity in life if you have both the work ethic and you were born with above average intelligence. Boy, opportunities come flying your way. Everybody wants to be around you. That's powerful. That's powerful. Now, a lot of entrepreneurs have a lot of success, but sometimes they have way too many ideas and it's easy to get distracted with all the opportunity that's around us. You seem to be pretty focused on what you're doing. How do you stay focused when you have so many distractions? <laughs> it is very true. The uh, shiny object syndrome or whatever everybody likes to call it. One of the things that I try to do is to focus uh, daily and weekly on those tasks. So I keep an actual list of my goals uh, that I actually open up in Excel and it's in front of me every single day. So that's one thing that keeps me focused. Another is the fact that um, I try to do deep thinking. I travel a decent amount for work or, or some volunteer stuff that I do. And so when I'm on those planes, I actually keep a list ahead of time of things that I want to work through on those planes that are very specific to helping me forward um, my goals and objectives. And so when those distractions come, what I try to do is figure out what's the best use of my time. Because for me, ROI is return on time, not return on money or anything else, because there's only so much time I have. And I'm, I am somebody who goes 150% into something. And so if it's not going to give me an ROI of time, then I'm not interested. And so I learned to say no about 10 years ago to an awful lot of things because it was really easy to say yes to people because I like, I'm a people pleaser. And so it feels good to say yes to people, but I realized that that became a drain of my time. Wow. That's powerful. And when you're focused, when you're focused, you definitely are able to get things done. When you're able to learn the skill of saying no, then you could properly say yes to the things that are truly important. So it's powerful to see that you have your goals in front of you. I read that there are three types of people in the world. Firstly, there are the people who make things happen. Those that are really, really focused. Then there are the people who watch things happen. They're not as focused. And then lastly, there are the people who ask what happened. <laughs> Uh, I heard somebody say that at, at, at the recent conference that we were at, but I, that, that really gets me thinking like, wow, you know, really being focused really, really matters. But then there are sometimes these fears that we have as human beings. We have the great fears that hold us back, that freeze us, that make us not be able to act, whether it's the fear of public speaking or it's the fear of, of, of having yourself be exposed or, or some other fear. As entrepreneurs, if we want to be successful, we need to overcome some of those fears. What are some fears that you had to overcome over the past 10 years in order for you to reach this level of success? I would say the biggest fear is I was afraid of public speaking. About 15 years ago, I was afraid of public speaking, and I just kept doing it. I mean, it was one of those things where, look, I knew it was going to be important to be a leader in front of – I didn't need to necessarily speak in front of 500 people, but I needed to be able to speak in front of my company and, and speak very intelligently, succinctly, and say the right things and motivate them. I needed to be almost like the player coach where, you, where you're in the game, but you also have to be the leader on the field. 
And so I, I kept focusing and practicing and practicing, you know, by just speaking in front of whoever would have me. I mean, whether that was rotary groups or whether it was chamber of commerce events, eventually, uh, as you probably know, Joe, I've, I've turned it into an actual, an actual gig where now I speak 20 or 30 times a year around the world. And so it's one of those things where it was a weakness and it, and it has since become a strength. And so it's something that um, I think with practice and overcoming that fear now, you know, people will say to me, geez, how do you get up there? And just, I'm like, you know, if you give me 10 minutes and tell me what you want to speak about on a topic, I'm happy to jump up on stage and, you know, rattle off for, you know, 30 minutes or an hour if you need me to, you know, if you need some, some time filled or whatever. And, and it's just something that I've become passionate about because I feel like, again, it goes back to what I said earlier. I believe that now that I've overcome it, it's become something that I should give back to others. And it's so incredibly invigorating and, and it makes you so free when you're able to go from having this type of fear, especially public speaking where most people are afraid. I used to say I'm the type of person who just has one-on-one -on -one conversations. I don't speak one to many. That was like the type of person, but really, really I was just afraid of, of people seeing who I really was. So not only was I not speaking in public and getting the benefit of being a thought leader and a speaker and being a trusted authority in my field, which I already was, but I, I didn't get that because I was afraid of people scrutinizing and asking, are you really the master of digital marketing? Are you really the number one player in your game? And, you know, people around me told me I was, but, you know, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. So you start questioning yourself, but you don't have to be the best. And the, the, the day that I got up and said, I'm not the biggest expert, any experts in the room? And then I start teaching about it and they're like, dude, you are the expert. And I'm like, nah, I know that there's a lot more to learn. And you're humble and you're vulnerable like that. Suddenly it allows you to say, you know what? I don't have all the answers. And if somebody asked me a question that I don't know the answer to, well, I'll say, I'll look it up. I don't know the answer to that. And for me, that was really liberating and helped me be able to be okay with my imperfection, okay with stumbling and saying the wrong word and then pausing and like all these skills and all these techniques that I learned, and most of it was really experience. Getting over it is just taking your fear and dancing with it. Like Tony Robbins said, taking your fear, getting on stage, and use you dancing with the fear instead of the fear dancing with you. Very powerful. Now, you're, you're a relationship guy. You have a lot of friends. You have a lot of people that love you. And in your business, to build a significant company like yours, you know that you need to have amazing relationships with your partners, with the people around you, with your vendors, with your clients, and so on. What does a relationship mean to you? Uh, it's a big, it's a big one. If you ask me, I think it's important. I think uh, for me, relationship is being there for somebody. It's listening, but it's also being a, a giver of advice and experience share um, in those times when they need it. I think sometimes you have to be direct and sometimes you have to be vulnerable and it depends on the situation and you have to be able to read people to understand when they need that from you. I think relationship means something long-standing. It's not something short-term. It's something that you're doing because it provides you value and you're providing them value. I'm not a big believer in, in relationships that, are, that have negative connotivity to them. I'm not a believer in, in surrounding myself with people with negative emotions and are always you know, bringing me down. Those sorts of people just don't resonate in my life. Uh, because those things tend to drag on for a while. And so to the extent that I can surround myself with people that I can have a very strong relationship with, very positive relationships where I feel like I can add value to their life in a way that's meaningful. Um, and that's really important to me. I don't want to be in a relationship where I feel like I'm the, I'm the one taking all the time. That's not helpful. I like to give and I like to uh, share thoughts and ideas and help them with their issues. And, and I think that it's meaningful to be able to 
have those relationships that go to that next level that that go into you know the five percent you know the things that we talk about in the entrepreneurs organization that people feel comfortable talking to you about that then you're then you're building a deep relationship with them and they also say that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with so if you just want to be average then just hang out with whoever you're hanging out but if you want to be the average of the best if you want to be hanging around with the best you really got to step up your a game Yes, that's very true. Uh, I think you've probably heard me say that um, I've taken it as far as surround myself with totally different friends over the last 10 years. We changed our entire friend group um, at, in 2010 with that exact intent in mind because it was realizing that, um, you know, when you're challenged with people mentally and physically and surrounding yourself with all these dynamic individuals, boy, you start to say, I better do better. Look at all these people. And it's the opposite when you're doing the opposite. When you're surrounding yourself with negative people, you, the woe is me comes out. And yeah, my life's pretty tough too. And, and um, you know, just, it just sort of builds on itself. And we, not we don't just mirror people with our emotions and with the way that we think. We physically mirror them as well. So when people around us are sick and all that stuff, it really impacts us in a, in a very, very deep way. Let's talk a little bit about purpose. I know that you're, you're working in a business and some people that are working in business are just doing it for the money and they never seem to be satisfied. How important is purpose and meaning in business? For me, it's very important. Um, look, I could make a bunch of money doing a whole bunch of different things, but that's not what I'm doing it for. I do it, I do it because I'm passionate about, for me, it's about passion related to employing a whole bunch of people. It's about um, helping them learn and grow. It's about them developing a career. It's about coaching and mentoring. And it's, you know, we have 65 people right now and we're on a path to be 100 at the start of next year. And, and that's really exciting for me. To me, that's what drives me is, look, now we're providing livings for 100 families and we're providing good income at a company they love to work at um, with, with long-term goals and objectives that are really driven. And so if I had to wake up every day and just, you know, do it for the money, boy, I, you know, there's a lot of things out there you could do just for the money. And, and I certainly wouldn't be doing what I do right now, which is building a company that I really believe in and providing a significant amount of jobs in the economy today. Wow. That's really powerful. That's very inspiring and motivating. What about personally? How important is having purpose personally? Do you have a personal vision? You know, I have never narrowed it down to one specific personal vision, but my wife and I do offsite retreats and we actually go offsite and, and schedule in um, once a year a full on planning session to make sure that we're on the same path that we said we were a year ago. And what is the things we did right and wrong and how do we want to align them over the next year? So I wouldn't say we have a vision is in one statement, but we have specific you know pages that we diary in and that we plan on related to family, personal, long term, short term. Some of it's wealth planning. A lot of it is more family planning. What do we want our kids to be like? How are we raising them? Are we doing the things we want to do? Are, do we want them to go to college? Do we want them to have gap years? I mean, all these sorts of things that happen in life. Um, and, I, and I feel really passionate about the fact that you have to have an idea of where you're headed. Otherwise, you just end up there, wherever there is. And, and to me, I'm a big planner. And, and that means so much to me to be able to say, look, this is where we're at. Um, and this is where we're headed and, and get an alignment as a family. They say, if you don't know where you're going, you might get somewhere else. <laughs> Very true. Having, Very true. Having, that, having that one year strategic plan with your family, just like people do it in business, is so important. And there are very few people that even date their wife on a weekly basis. There are very few people that just meet in business on a regular basis. They're just doing, 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 and they're getting nowhere fast. So it's powerful to see that you're not only doing it in your business, 
you're also doing it in your personal life. One final question for you, John, before we wrap this up. What does mojo mean to you? Mojo to me is, uh, might not be the Wikipedia definition, but it's certainly mine, it is really around building this momentum that sort of self-perpetuates. It's like the hamster wheel that gets running and all of a sudden you can step outside the hamster wheel and it continues. It's the, it's the momentum of positive energy, success, growth, and, and you surround yourself with all these people that are sort of doing the same thing and not necessarily the same thing like they're making the same decisions, but they have the same sort of positive action in their life and they're thinking about things proactively and they're moving forward and they're making decisions and they're taking step by step by step to get to that goal or that accomplishment that they're looking for. And all of a sudden the hamster wheel just goes on its own and, and you don't even have to be in it. And all of a sudden it's, it's really magical as it happens and you can step back and take this, you know, 10,000 foot view and you're like, Wow. You know, I, I, I was a part of this. I helped create this sort of momentum, this mojo, and it, and it got going. And, and now, look, there's everybody rallying around this cry, and we're all moving forward together. That's powerful. What is mojo? Mojo is momentum. That is so beautiful. John, thank you for being here on CEO Mojo. And remember, Mojo Nation, stay motivated. You've been listening to another episode of CEO Mojo, your source for amazing motivation. For more episodes that will get you motivated, go to www.ceomojo.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. If you've enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share it and let us know what you think. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Mojo Nation, stay motivated.